0: I wasn't sure what to speak on this evening. It's a kind of evening service by itself, so I didn't really want to begin a series, only to have it broken uh, next week. So I I found myself thinking about the messages that Stuart Gilmore had brought to us uh, when he was with us uh, in the last few evening services. I wonder if anyone can remember what his theme was? Peace, well done. That's the only thing I'm going to ask you to respond to so you can relax. Peace. Peace with God, peace with others, and peace within flowing from, from that. And so I thought to myself, well, what naturally flows from peace? What would be a natural next thing to reflect on together? And it didn't take me long to come up with rest. I have, a, a, as you know, a nine-year-old and a three-year-old in the house. And for me, a moment's peace is a moment's rest. And you need to take them when you can get them. So the next question is, and you don't need to shout out, don't worry. The next question is, what would the obvious biblical passage be if you wanted to speak on rest? So maybe you might think Psalm 23, I read it a few moments ago. The Lord's my shepherd's. I'll not be in want, he makes me lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside quiet waters, he restores my soul. That's rest, isn't it, as a good shepherd leads us to places of rest and refreshing as we trust and follow him. Maybe the most obvious New Testament passage would be, if we can click on here, We're having some issues, no? That's okay. If If you're able to, if you could move to the next slide. There we go, thank you very much. Come to me, Matthew 11, verse 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That's a wonderful promise, isn't it? A wonderful invitation into a world where we all feel uh, so overstretched and so under pressure. Jesus speaks by His Holy Spirit to say, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Great promise, a wonderful invitation But then we think of the Lord Jesus in the Gospels and those who came to the Lord Jesus, and we find that not everyone who came to Jesus found rest, did they? So we might think of the rich young ruler who came to Jesus. He seemed to have everything going for him. He was wealthy. He had influence. He was pious. He was young. Uh, He was... uh, aware that he had some needs that the Lord Jesus could meet, seems to be ticking all of the boxes. Money, youthfulness, good manners, good morals, knows his Bible, but he also recognizes that there is, there is something else he needs to know that he has, something less tangible, eternal life. And so he, he comes to the Lord, to try and ensure that he has this blessing in the bank, and he says to Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, you know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not give false testimony, honor your father and mother. Presumably this young man is quite relieved, he's able to say to Jesus, All these I have kept since I was a boy. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, You still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Luke chapter 18, verse 23, When he heard this, he became very sad, because he was a man of great wealth. Jesus looked at him and said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. So, How did this rich young man feel after he had come to Jesus? He didn't receive rest or peace. Instead, he went away feeling very sad. What's going on there? Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Well, maybe he wasn't really weary and, and burdened. Maybe he was in some way trying to test Jesus, or maybe he was just curious. It doesn't The text doesn't give you that impression, but maybe that's part of the, the answer. But I think that the real answer can be found as we take this text and put it back in its context. It's always dangerous to lift one verse or one sentence out of Scripture and to forget what, what surrounds it. So we go back to the context, you'll see some of it there on the screen. Matthew eleven twenty eight. the Lord Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And then verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to Jesus, but come to Jesus on his terms. Come to Jesus, but come to him and learn from him. Come to Jesus but come to Jesus and take his yoke upon you. You cannot come to Jesus on your own terms to find the rest that he offers. Jesus refuses just to be an interest or a hobby, uh, some kind of bolt-on extra to your life which actually doesn't make any real difference to the way that you live your life. Jesus refuses to be a a safety net just in case this is all true. Having come to him, you must take his yoke upon you and learn from him to receive his his rest. And that's where the young ruler went wrong. The cost of following Christ was too much as far as he was concerned. And so many have fallen at the same hurdle. I'm sure I have quoted Dietrich Bonhoeffer before, a German who was martyred towards the end of the, uh, the Second World War for his faith in Christ and his, his obedience to Christ, at a time where most of the church in Germany uh, just bowed the knee to the, the Nazi regime which surrounded it. Uh, he and others refused to do that, and uh, he, was, he was murdered for that decision, and he said very famously, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. And that is still true today, when Christ calls a man or a woman, he bids him or her to come and to die, to die to self and to live to God. Having come to Christ, you must take his yoke upon you and learn from him. What this rich young man wanted was Jesus to pat him on the back, to affirm him, to tell him how well he was doing and to send him on his way. He didn't want a yoke placed around his neck. It's interesting to think that that Jesus, the carpenter, may well have made many yokes. He may have had scales in his hands from some of the yokes he had made in the past for people so he knew what he was talking about he knew what a yoke was you can see a picture of a a, a yoke on the screen there it was a kind of wooden bar uh, with those uh, sort of semi circles and the animals would put their necks in there and uh, they would be fastened to it and the wee metal loop in the middle would be tied usually to a plough behind them. And as they walked together, uh, this yoke would help bear the burden of the weight of the plough as they moved forward together. It was custom made to the animals uh, to help them pull together with maximum efficiency and with minimum discomforts. And G, uh, John Stott says that we shouldn't think of the yoke as, uh, you know, us in one of those bits and Jesus in the other bit. Sometimes you, you, you may read that or you may hear that. Uh, as I can see the, the comfort that could be found in thinking that, but rather Jesus is the farmer uh, who faithfully leads us forward and enables us to bear the burden that we must bear with maximum efficiency and minimum discomfort. So we can bring that back to the talk of being led, can't we? Psalm 23, he makes me lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside quiet waters, he restores my soul, he guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So we might say this rich young man did not want to be guided down this particular path of righteousness for the this, the Lord's name here is a key question though that I want to reflect on together this evening is the yoke of Jesus really easy and is the burden that he calls us to carry really light my yoke is easy and my burden is light says the Lord Jesus is that true The same Lord Jesus says, anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. You will be betrayed even by parents, brothers and sisters, relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. Everyone will hate you because of me. Picking up my cross, dying to myself, persecuted, hated even by those I love. Jesus says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. And maybe you feel that tension this evening. Maybe you have come to this place, you have come to church, feeling that his yoke is hard and his burden is heavy. Well, let's think for a moment about the alternative. Let's think about what else is an offer for those who heard Jesus Uh, saying, speaking these words for the first time. Let's think firstly about the yoke of the Pharisees, the yoke of morality and religious rules and comparison with other people. The Pharisees spent their time trying to earn the favor of God by the good things that they did and the bad things that they did not do. And they had a whole host, a whole list of rules and regulations and boxes to tick, that is what life was all about for them. They had 600 things that you were not allowed to do on the Sabbath. 600 things that they classed as being work. One of them was to pick up a mat. And so you, you, you remember the story where a man is unable to walk for 38 years, begging by the same pool, day after day after day. He meets the Lord Jesus Christ and he has healed, he has restored those legs which have uh, not carried any weight for all those years, suddenly uh, find strength, and up he gets, and he picks up his mat, and the reaction of the Pharisees and the scribes to rebuke this man, to try and rob him of the joy that he experienced in that moment. Why? Because it was on their list of rules. To pick up a mat was to work, and it was the Sabbath. Can you imagine living such a miserable and such a joyless and such a graceless life? Well, that is the life that they lived. That was the yoke of the Pharisees. Living your life like that leads to one of two places. If you think you're doing well, it leads to pride. You puff yourself up with pride because you think, actually, I'm, I'm carrying all this weight in my shoulders and I'm doing really, really well. I'm ticking all of these boxes. I'm refraining from doing all these things. I'm, I'm pleasing God. I'm so much better than those around me, and you begin to puff yourself up with pride, or the other place it can lead is despair, because you can fail time and time again. This, this burden that you place on your back, all these rules, all these regulations, you find yourself failing time and time again, and then you begin to think, well, maybe, I'm, I'm, maybe I've gone too far this time. Maybe God doesn't love me. Maybe God won't accept me. And you feel like just giving up, and, and giving in. It is a life devoid of grace. You reject the grace of God and Christ Jesus, and having rejected that grace for yourself, you are then unable to be gracious with those around you. But actually, there's more to this story of the Pharisees than first meets the eye. Jesus sees all things, all Hearts are laid bare before the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is what he had to say about the Pharisees and about the yoke of the Pharisees. He says, they tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is done for people to see everything they do is done for people to see. So, in a a way, they're not even living in order to please the Lord. Actually, they're living in order to impress those around them with how good and how religious and how moral they are. Everything they do is done for people to see. They love being able to look down on others. The Samaritans, the tax collectors, the sinners. They love to be able to look down on others and to have others look up at them. They love their fancy gowns. They love their tassels and their titles. I remember when I had uh, first come to Airdrie, you'll maybe notice that if there's mail addressed to me, it usually gets put in that, that table before a Sunday morning service and uh, it was early on in my my time here and I sat down and there was a letter in a yellow envelope and I've never had a letter in a yellow envelope before so I was intrigued and I opened it up and it was a letter from uh, Alec, Alec or Alex Neil, the politician at the time, I think he was just giving up his duties or something and he'd obviously printed out this letter for church leaders and community does and I remember thinking that's amazing the paper if you've ever wondered why your MP's expenses are so high it's the paper it's so thick and it had this kind of watermark in it and then the houses of parliament thing embossed on the top and you just open it and you just feel a sense of importance begin to flood over you you think wow I've arrived now an MP has written to me from London, and look at the paper. You think I can stick Rev before my name, and it can be B.D. Hans after my name, and you think, I'm an important community leader, and I'm gonna walk down Graham Street. Don't know the street very well, don't know any of the people yet, but I'm gonna walk down, I'll maybe get a dog collar and a, a gown, cape, cassock, and I'll walk down there saying, nice to meet you all. My name's Reverend Ross Murphy, B.D. Hons. Just uh, want you to know that although I don't know you yet, I'm now an important community leader. You know, titles and tassels, gowns and robes and, you know, all of these things. That was the life of the Pharisee. Wanting to look down on others and to be looked up at by those that they met. You might compare it to the the school—I don't know if your school was the same as my school—but we had an imaginary league table, a kind of pecking order, and you knew roughly where you were on that table. I was quite close; that's the top. I was quite near the carpet, not quite on the carpet, but not far off it. And you knew roughly where you were in this imaginary, unwritten table. You knew how you could speak to people who were about your level. You knew how you had to speak to people above you, and you knew what you could do to people who were beneath you on this imaginary table. Well, the tragedy is most of us, when we leave school, we leave that thinking, that mindset behind us, but some people don't. Some people still live their lives with these imaginary tables, this kind of pecking order, and they love to be able to look down on those around them. They love to clamber up as high as they can. They think they can clamber up higher by putting other people down. And at least this kind of miserable, joyless, graceless life, always trying to bring other people down in a a vain attempt to lift themselves up. How sad, how miserable, and how exhausting a way to live your life. Strangers to the soul rest that Jesus offers in Matthew 11. And at the risk of stating what I'm sure should be very obvious, Christians should not live our lives like Pharisees. The lives that we live should not make us look like we are strangers to the peace and to the grace and to the rest of Jesus, to the love and the acceptance that God offers to all who trust in Jesus and follow Him as Lord and Savior. So the yoke of the Pharisees leads to pride, or it leads to despair. We ought to ask ourselves a question, is there anything of that within us? That kind of pride that thinks, I'm doing much better than those around me. Uh, And we begin to look down our noses at others, or the the sense of, of despair that I'm just, I'm not making the grade and God is going to reject me. We ought to look again to the Lord Jesus Christ who loved us and gave Himself for us on the cross, uh, cancelling the written codes, uh, washing clean uh, even the, the, the foulest stains of sin for all who trust in Him, casting our sins as far as the East is from the West. We ought to reject the yoke of the Pharisees, and we ought to see that the yoke of Christ is so much better. The yoke of Christ fits us perfectly. It is custom made. It is designed for each and every one of us. The yokes the carpenters made were custom built. They were not made in some factory somewhere and then ships to this country to be dished out for... for cheap. You couldn't you couldn't buy a flat pack yoke in IKEA and spend an afternoon trying to decipher the instructions and assemble it for your your animals. They were custom made, they were designed to fit each and every individual animal. So that the burden that they would bear would be as easy to bear as is possible. The Christian life will involve Hardship, every life involves hardship, whether we're Christians or not Christians, but as believers in Jesus, we know that the Lord Jesus Christ is with us, and we know that the suffering that we endure is with a purpose. God is working for good in the midst of our suffering, through our suffering even, to mature us, to 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 bear witness to the the peace that can be found in Jesus, to others, and in all sorts of other wonderful ways. We know that our custom-made yoke will help us to bear the burden, and we also know that we will not bear that burden alone. Sometimes we may feel alone, as uh, some of the prophets of old did in Scripture, but we are never alone. You can see just by, by looking at that picture of the yoke, you know, it's designed for more than one animal, Uh, And we always ought to remember that we are never alone in the Christian walk. Even when it feels hard and heavy, we have brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ to support us, to, to, to take some of the weight from our shoulders as we journey on with our Lord. We will find the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ to be sufficient for the day that we are in. And as we look forward to the day that is coming, When the Lord Jesus Christ will come to make all things new, to welcome us into the fullness of his presence, I think, as I said this morning, to wipe every tear from our eyes, we can say with the Apostle Paul, our light momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary but what is unseen is eternal. Think about the man who wrote those words, the Apostle Paul. Even almost the very first words that fell from the lips of the Lord Jesus as he was converted, I I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. And he did suffer. He suffered rejection. He suffered gossip from those he had poured out his life to serve. He suffered beatings. He suffered imprisonments, shipwrecks. He suffered. He is able to say in the face of all of that suffering, our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. In this world, you will have troubles. But the Lord has conquered all of these things. The Lord is victorious, and He is with us as we bear this burden. He will lead us on, and He will use the burden that we bear for good. You think again of the the yoke and the plough that the animals would have eh, carried along with them. They may not have realized what they were doing at the time, but as they walked forward, the, the, the plough was churning up the ground behind them, ready for the seed to be sown and in due season for the farmer to gather to himself a harvest. Some of our sufferings, though we may not see it at this point in time, they are preparing the ground for the seed to be sown and for the Lord whom we love in due season to gather unto himself. A harvest. The yoke of Christ fits and the yoke of Christ frees. It frees us to be loved and to be accepted by the grace of God, not by our goodness, not by how much we work, not by the things that we do and the things that we don't do. We look not to our own efforts. We look to Jesus, the Son of God, who lived a perfect, pure, sinless, spotless life in our place, and yet died a sinner's death for us on the cross and conquered death as he was raised to life again. We look to Jesus and we remember no matter how many times we may fail, how many times we may fall, how weak and pathetic our efforts seem to us to be, we remember, yes, I am loved. Yes, I am accepted, by the Lord, I am forgiven in Christ Jesus, I am a child of God forever. It frees us to know that acceptance, that security in the love of God and it frees us to know that the burden we will carry will bring forth fruit. It is not pointless, it is not purposeless, our pain is used by God for good and for His glory. The burden that we are carrying is leaving a legacy behind us. You might say, Well, you've convinced me up to a point, I don't want to live with the yoke of the Pharisees round my neck, but neither do I really want to live with the yoke of Christ round my neck, trusting Him, following Him, obeying Him. I'd rather live free. Thank you very much. It's 2018 now. Uh, I I don't want a yoke around my neck. I'm going to live my own life, my own way. Those days are gone. We can be free. To thine own self be true. That is the motto that I will live my life by. Or trust in your heart. Facebook says it. Disney says it, Hollywood says it, just trust in your own heart. Find your own path. That's the way that I'm going to live my life. That is where I will find rest and peace and joy. But the Bible consistently warns us of the foolishness of trying to live our own way. There is no true freedom for those who try to live as their own Lord. Solomon says in Proverbs, those who trust in themselves are fools, but those who walk in wisdom are kept safe. Jeremiah says, the heart is deceitful above all things. And Jesus says, the one who sins is a slave to sin. How free is a slave? He who sins is a slave to sin, and there is no rest for the wicked. That's why we see those who are supposed to have everything or who do have everything that is supposed to bring peace and rest and joy and comfort and ease. We see these people who have got fame and uh, celebrity and influence and power and money beyond our imagining and yet they are just tormented. They are consumed often with a sense of despair. I remember listening to a successful musician uh, being interviewed once and he said, I worked so hard, I sacrificed so much to get to the very top and eventually I got to the very top and I found there was nothing there. And that really struck me that there are people giving their whole lives to something that will just lead, if they ever get there, to a sense of emptiness and despair. Where do you look to find the rest and the peace that we all long to find? Do you look to morality, kind of league table between you and those around you, to religious rules and regulations and rituals? Do you look inside to yourself, or do you look to the Lord Jesus Christ, to the one who knows you perfectly, to the one who can custom fit your yoke So that the burden you bear is as light as it possibly can be. So that you can be assured that as you bear that burden, it will be uh, ploughing the field behind you, as it were. It will be preparing a legacy uh, for a harvest to come. Do you look to the one who loves you completely and will lead you to places of rest and refreshing? and also to paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Each of us are designed, we are built with a craving, with a longing for peace and for rest. And my prayer is that we would be granted grace to trust Jesus and to keep trusting Jesus when he says to us, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. It is in following the Lord that we find true freedom. And it is in working for the Lord that we find true rest. So, let's take a moment just to be quiet in the Lord's presence, to be still, and to know that He is God, and we will pray together.